Hello and uh, welcome to the 34th meeting after uh, on the second season. So we're going to continue for about a month or so. And um, while I will be in Europe, I might have to say goodbye like last year uh, because some of the time zones will be a little bit off. But uh, welcome to a wonderful week. Uh, actually, now that I looked at the week, it's not as wonderful as I would have hoped. But that's up to us to make it wonderful. Uh, we'll start off, of course, talking about what's happening in the week ahead. Uh, as always, I hope you had a wonderful new moon. Uh, yesterday we did uh, a nice class. I'm laughing because it was kind of funny. Uh, about the Bible uh, in uh, a church, which was actually... Very, very nice. It's the second class I'm doing in Pasadena. Uh, and we talked about stories from the Bible. And of course, uh, we had to talk about the more X-rated uh, version of it. But before I forget, we have quite a lot of new classes that I um, uh, added on. Oops, I forgot to uh, post it on the chat. Uh, let's see if it happens effortlessly. Kind of. Yeah. So one of the workshops that I did, so by the way, the workshops in London, which is a one day of how to read the tarot cards, we're going to use the Toth deck uh, and the uh, class on sacred spaces, how to make your office, how to make your car, how to make your little altar uh, infused with uh, sacredness. We'll talk about the four elements. We'll talk about colors, certain things that you need to add to make a space more sacred. We'll uh, draw things from Kabbalah, from astrology, from Feng Shui. So that class that's going to happen on July, middle of July, is also going to be virtual. So you can join us. And the class that I'm going to do in London about the whole day of training of tarot, how to read the tarot. So in the end of the class, you're supposed to be able to do that, um, will be also virtual. And if you guys are in London, in Europe, maybe you can join me in Finhorn. Between July 21st to 24, we are actually going to do a, a class on, or sorry, a retreat on astrology. So we're going to have the whole weekend, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, a little bit of Monday to learn how to read uh, the car to read the chart. So right around middle of July, if you're interested in learning how to read the tarot or learning how to read your chart, it could be the month uh, of spirituality. It's going to be between Cancer and Leo. So it's a perfect time uh, for these kind of things, uh, using intuition uh, from Cancer and channeling from Cancer and using the spirituality from Leo. So definitely those classes are going to be open and there's going to be a three-hour workshop on June uh, 3rd. Uh, that is also only virtual with Finhorn as well. And it's going to be about how astrology can work for you. That's going to be on July 3rd. So I hope you can join us uh, either in person or uh, virtually um, to one of these workshops. And if you are in Istanbul or Sofia or Zurich or London or Tel Aviv, let me know. I'm going to do readings there in person and workshops in those places. You just email me or uh, send me a message on Instagram. But I'm going to start the journey in June 12, June 11 to Bulgaria, then to uh, Turkey and then to Zurich and then to London and then to Tel Aviv and then back to uh, Sofia and to L.A. If all goes well. So let's start with the week. As you can see today on May 21st, Sunday, we are moving into Gemini. So for the next 30 days, we are all going to be 
twins, we're all going to be Gemini's. It's interesting and it's beautiful because, A, today the moon is actually also in Gemini. So we have a kind of a new moon, end of a new moon that is influenced by Gemini. And it's going to be very appropriate that today, if I have the chance, we'll talk a little bit about artificial intelligence, especially because it's been in the news quite a lot. And there's kind of interesting stories and takes from it that is totally connected to what we talked about here for years already. If you've joined me in 2020, I think that's when I started talking about artificial intelligence because Saturn moved into Aquarius in March of 2020 all the way up until March 2023. And I kept telling you guys that we are entering, especially when Pluto in 2023 is moving into Aquarius, we're moving into the age of artificial intelligence and quantum technology or quantum computing. So you can see with uh, the whole madness of the chat GPT that this age is definitely upon us. Things that people uh, were thinking will happen at the end of the century is happening within a few years. Definitely, it is a situation where we have Saturn in Aquarius for three uh, years. Last time Saturn was in Aquarius, remember, the internet was created. Now Saturn is in Aquarius, uh, just finished its role in Aquarius for the last three years. And the internet was used in order to give the informational platform for the AI that are going to be now emerging uh, very strongly in the next 20 years. Again, because Pluto once in 250 years is in Aquarius. What is so interesting about our time compared to last time, which was the French Revolution or before that it was the Renaissance, uh, is that we have this relay race in a sense saturn was holding aquarius it was holding the bucket of aquarius and then in march it left aquarius into pisces but it gave it to pluto who's going to carry it now for 20 years so it's almost like we're going to have 23 years a generation of aquarius energy right at the doorstep of the age of aquarius so that's what's so different and so monumental and that's why we've been hearing more and more voices about uh, how people are saying you should stop uh, developing ai there is suggestion of blowing up all the servers that contain ai very aggressive you know not uh, the best thing if you just had a baby and um, one of the midwives of the baby is claiming that we should come to the baby and stabbed it as much as possible, maybe with airplanes and, and bombings and stuff like that. That is not a very good thing for the baby, especially because I think it's too late to kill the baby. Uh, and the baby remembers and reads and interacts and sees it online that you are trying to kill it. So it's not the best uh, starting position uh, for our relationship with AI, but we'll talk about it later on. But again, today we have the sun in Gemini, zero, zero degrees. Remember, we always talked about zero, zero degrees being very, very important uh, for us. So uh, why? Because zero, zero is basically the pure essence. It's like in homeopathic, it's like that little drop. It seems like it's nothing. It's zero, zero, but it's really the essence of that archetype. So we have the sun in Gemini today. So for the next 30 days, we're going to be all messengers. We're all going to be connectors. We're going to be the people that uh, put together. We're all going to become some kind of hub information from above to below, from left to right. This is a time of junction. So yes, of course, in junctions, there could be a lot of uh, accidents because people don't necessarily look to the right and look to the left before they cross or before they um before they zoom through the through the junction but again it does talk about the importance of communication so the next month as the sun travels and transits through gemini it's going to be very important that we 
learn how to communicate better. And the keyword for Gemini is I think, therefore think before you talk if it's possible. And again, the fact that we are starting Gemini a month with the moon also in Gemini just makes the connection from EQ and IQ for the next month. So we're going to have an interesting month that we have a lot of connection to the mind as well as a lot of connection to emotions and to the heart. So that's what we have today. And again, for the next 30 days leading up to the solstice is Gemini. It's a mutable sign, meaning that our job right now is to be more flexible. So we're coming out of 30, year, 30 years, 30 days of being a Taurus, which is a very stiff, um, very stiff kind of tight energy. It's basically a fixed sign. It's supposed to be fixed and not to move anywhere. And we're moving into Gemini, which is very flexible. It's very adjustable. It's a mutant, you know, so we're all going to be X-Men and women for the next 30 days as we travel in Gemini. As for specifically this week, we always like to um, look at the week in, in general in the big in big terms to see what's really going on. So this week we have a lot of zero zeros because we start the day Sunday with Mars zero zero in Taurus and Leo zero zero the Sun in Gemini and of course Pluto is zero zero Aquarius and Pluto is a very slow planet so therefore it's going to stay and hover around zero zero quite a lot and a lot around. 29 degrees of Capricorn. So the cusp of Capricorn, the cusp of uh, Aquarius. It's as if Pluto just settled there, a huge, um, a huge bus right at the border between two countries, two uh, archetypes. And one of them is Capricorn, which is very traditional and conservative and wants to look at the past and bring the past back. And Aquarius, which wants to rebel against this, find new senses of freedom, share everything with humanity, democracy and so forth, and relates to the future. And Pluto, of course, is moving away from the conservative energy, which guided it from 2008 into a um, much more... Aquarius energy, which is going to guide it for the next 20 years until 2044, which has to do much more with technology, innovation, hence uh, the emergence of AI. And I'm pretty much sure that uh, we're going to have the big leap forward when AI converge with quantum computing. And that's probably going to take when Uranus moves into Gemini, which is 2026, 27, 28, 29, and 30. It's going to be there for about seven years. So when Uranus, now it's in Taurus, is moving into Gemini 2026, Gemini is binary. It's going to make it a big leap forward with everything that we're talking about with AI. So um, now 30 days of being a mutant. So now the biggest thing about this week, like I started saying, is that we have a lot of zero zeros. And the zero zeros basically means pure forceful energy. And what's happening this week, and that's what we start off this year week, is Pluto opposite to Mars. Pluto opposite to Mars is never good news because Pluto is the uh, new ruler. New, it's been 100 years, 90 years of um, Scorpio. And Mars is the traditional ruler of Scorpio. So imagine the two rulers of Scorpio are now opposite to each other. It's almost like what's happening with a debt ceiling here in the United States with uh, one party here, the other party there, and there is no uh, negotiation or like with the writer's uh, strike. You see it all over the world. Uh, these, these forces that are against each other and in almost equal way. So Pluto and Mars, both of them, are, Mars is even considered to be the fighter, the warrior. Pluto is the higher octave of uh, Mars. So it's kind of like, 
the student of Mars in a sense, and they're both clashing with each other. We're talking about the god of war and the god of the underworld. It can't be that good. You know, when you die, you go into the underworld in war, a lot of people die. So they usually work really well together, hence the reason why they rule Scorpio, which is the sign of death. But right now they're conflicting. They're opposite to each other. They're pulling us and pulling direct, pushing and pulling in different directions, and they're both very aggressive. Uh, Mars being in Leo is extra powerful because Mars is an uh, energy of war, and Leo has to do a lot with fire and fixed fire, so it's kind of maintaining the pressure. And Pluto is in a fixed Aquarius sign. Aquarius is a fixed air sign. It can be very focused on certain ideas and not wanting to bend it. It's This is how it should be. This is the way I have spoken. So that Pluto opposite to Mars and the fact that we have Pluto also uh, squaring Jupiter, squaring the North Node, squaring Mercury, squaring by default the South Node, this creates a lot of tension, especially with Mars also squaring Jupiter, also squaring uh, the North Node, and also squaring Mercury and by default the South Node. So if you look at the chart, what I'm looking at right now, what you see is a big square, a big box that we are kind of trapped inside. And again, not the easiest because what we have is two elements, Pluto and Mars, that are stable and, and basically stuck and, and stubborn. And then we have that aggression coming from Jupiter in Taurus that wants to expand everything and is in Taurus, which is another fixed sign. And the south node is in Scorpio, which is another fixed sign. So the square is fixed. It's not even a wobbly kind of square. Thank God the sun is not involved in all this because the sun moved away from Taurus, thank God, today into Gemini, which allows some negotiations. So I think the fact that we're now 30 days in Gemini can really help with any form of negotiation. I'm not saying that the bridges will be built, but let's say the material and the engineer of the bridges are there. If we're going to use them or not, it's a different question. Now, Jupiter on, uh, squaring Mars, Jupiter squaring Pluto on a personal level, it means that you are overdoing, trying too much. Uh, now it's a time to maybe pull back from things, to look at things in a perspective, to zoom out, especially because Gemini gives us the bird eye view or the angel eye view because it's a, it's a mutable, meaning it's moving around, air sign. So it's much more about looking at things from above. Um, so if you can be careful of not overdoing, trying too much, overtraining, overstraining, saying too much, writing too much. Just be careful of the too much, of the over, especially this week. And also this week, you will find yourself in opposition, either opposition to yourself, opposition with a friend, opposition maybe with a, a lover. I'm just taking, talking about these things because it's a Leo and Aquarius kind of opposition. Some opposition with governments or groups, organizations, corporations. You're going to see it also in politics. There's going to be some issues with parties or companies, organizations, even in technology innovation, Mars in Leo is also fights about ego. How much am I giving of myself for this relationship or how much am I getting return? So there's a lot of uh, I, me, mine, ego, um, uh, some issues with companies or friendships. So again, just be mindful. This is not an easy week and we definitely have that Pluto opposite to Mars. That's today very tight. Tomorrow is very tight and it is not an easy aspect. It's one of the hardest aspects that we actually have uh, this year. And because Pluto is slow, it's this this uh, opposition is definitely going to last this week. Uh, Mars is going to escape that a li little bit later on in the week. We'll see when. But definitely the first part of the week is full of tension because of that square and because of that uh, opposition. 
If we look at Monday, uh, things are moving into moon in Cancer. So the moon being in Cancer for two and a half days, much better ability to connect to uh, emotions, to connect to family members, especially when the moon is going to be touching in Tuesday Venus, which is actually very, very positive. So May 22nd, we definitely have that opposition. The box is getting even tighter because Mars is getting into a perfect uh, square with Jupiter. Again, not a very easy aspect uh, on Monday. It's the day of the moon. It's very volatile anyway. Uh, Jupiter adding to the mix. The North Node creating a square with Mars is usually a call to action of something we don't really want to do uh, and must be doing it. And also because Pluto is involved, it could be related also to some kind of manipulation that somebody is causing us to do something that we don't really want to do. And because Pluto is also opposite to the Black Moon, opposite to Minerva, uh, we, we almost have Athena, the goddess of wisdom, disabled in the next few days. So it's not giving us a lot of wisdom. We're kind of stupid dealing with a very difficult situation. So, okay, we are stupid dealing with our little situation. That's great. But politicians that are stupid dealing with big shot uh, problems or company owners dealing with a big op uh, op problems can be a little bit more intense in the next few days. The moon in Cancer can calm down things. It's almost as if the engine is getting a little bit of um, water into the system, you know, to kind of cool it down. So that could be helpful. Uh, and again, there's going to be a little bit of a struggle between the I feel uh, of moon in Cancer and I think of the Gemini. So try to alternate between speaking with I feel to I think just to kind of appease the moon and uh, the sun in Gemini. The good news about tomorrow is a sextile, a little door opening between the sun and Mars that can give you some good action or an ability to make some good steps forward, even with all that opposition. Uh, that sun beautifully sending a, a, a trying to a, a sextile to Mars can really help. But what's happening this week as well, especially towards the end of the week, is that we're adding to the square also Sun and Saturn squaring, which is, again, karmic debts that are going to be paid. So it's almost as if you're going to have a knock on the door from the cosmic uh, IRS and they're gonna, or the uh, tax uh, collectors, and they're going to say, uh, we come here to collect. You know, so you're going to have to give your TV or your refrigerator or something for the Lord Karma because of past actions that you have taken. Now that's more towards the end of the week. On Tuesday, we have the moon touching Venus. That's beautiful. That's really good. So on Tuesday, there's something calming the energy a little bit down. Venus, the goddess of love, is in, in Cancer. It's the Two of Cups. It's considered to be um, a very auspicious thing. The Two of Cups in the tarot card is called Love. And it's uh, or the two of uh, hearts, if you're following the playing cards on top of the moon is an instinct for art, an instinct for justice, an instinct for beauty, design, color. So if you're thinking about brainstorming something beautiful or something about beauty or you need a new logo or or a new insight into your relationship, partnership, something with justice, with law that day, Tuesday could really be helpful especially because still we're enjoying the sun sextile to Mars. We still don't have completely the... Yeah, we're actually starting to have. So, yeah, a new, a new box is forming uh, between uh, the, uh, the sun and Saturn. You're going to start feeling it already in Tuesday. Wednesday is going to be much, much more strong. And when uh, the, the second part of the week that is guided by that Saturn squaring the sun... 
Sun, Saturn is the father that eats his own children, you know, and the son is also considered to be a father figure. So that it's a good father, bad father, good boss, bad boss. And there is some kind of feeling that you're uh, forced into, again, action that could be uh, long term. It could be related also to a lot of pressure that is pushed, pushed on you, pulled on you. You feel like you don't want to do something, but you have to do it. So again, around Tuesday, Wednesday, uh, onward to the rest of the week, it will be a little bit more intense in that sense, especially dealing with bosses and figures of authority. So it might not be the best time to ask for a raise or a promotion. And in um, Wednesday, what we have is the moon shifting into Leo. It's going to be also on Thursday and Friday. The moon in Leo is going to be very, very helpful for the sun in Gemini but not very helpful for that box we talked about that is forming. So the box that is forming between, we talked about it, Mercury, the North Node, Jupiter, uh, Mars, and Pluto, and the South Node are, is going to be much stronger on Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday because the Moon is going to be in Leo, and Leo is, again, another fixed sign. So we're going to have Leo, stubborn in fire, Taurus, stubborn in earth, Aquarius, stubborn in air, and Scorpio, stubborn in emotions and feelings and water, all coming to some kind of a committee of the squares, creating a lot of um, tightness. So you're going to feel you're like a little bit more tight or a little bit more restricted. But it's always an opportunity. So I think that the fact that the squares are so intense for us Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, it's it's pushing or, or, or kind of pressuring into some resolution. It's almost like getting to the point. You know how it is sometimes when you go to a, a masseuse and they tell you, now put all of your muscles there and I'll release. You know, that kind of stuff. That's what's happening to us. We're tightening, tightening, tightening so that we can maybe on the weekend release that square and something might pop up out of the square, you know, like in magic um, tricks. Uh, there could be some <clears throat> rabbit popping up or something interesting coming out of that box that we've uh, started feeling. And Thursday, the moon again is on top of Minerva and on top of the black moon. It's interesting because there could be a wise woman coming into your life and an evil woman with uh, a lot of uh, negativity kind of influencing your life. So the moon is kind of stuck between the black moon, Lilith, and Minerva. And when the moon is on top of Minerva, it's an instinct to connect to Athena, the goddess of wisdom. So it brings a lot of strategy, a lot of ways of dealing with things. That's happening Thursday, uh, May 25. But it's also on top of the black moon. So there could be some jealousy, people being jealous at you, you being jealous at other people. You're comparing yourself to other people. You're just being nasty to yourself. So just be a little bit more careful. You see the square there is very, very tight still with Pluto and Mars. Um, we're going to have to wait until the end of the weekend for this um, uh, square, uh, this at least opposition of Pluto and Mars to drift away. And if we look at Moon in Leo, that's happening, like we said, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. It is about trying to have fun if you can, being more childlike, playful. It's very creative in a way. So um, the fact that we have the Moon and Mars in Leo, it's very good for physical activity, for being outdoors. So if you can do something like that then definitely that would be great. March 20, uh, sorry, May 26, uh, we have the moon still in, Gem in Leo. It passed all of uh, the black moon, so it's more clean. So Friday is a nicer day by, by, by all means. Um, but what you can see is the square, it's tightening between the sun and Saturn. It's going to be the tightest in the weekend. So next weekend is not going to be that easy. There's going to be a lot of clashes, a lot of, uh, uh, I think you're going to feel that in the news next weekend is going to be very, very meaningful. There's going to be a lot of movement uh, on the planet. 
And because you can look at the chart, you see so much red energy and there's hardly any blues. And if there are any blue lines, which are considered to be more auspicious, they're basically connecting asteroids or or things in the skies that are not that influential. So it's almost like we're kind of alone there. And the uh, squares between Saturn and the Sun, tightest on next Sunday when we meet. That's going to be when it's the tightest and uh, then it's going to get a little bit better. The moon uh, in Leo is sending a beautiful trine to Chiron. So Friday is a great day for healing. If you need a date for any kind of surgery or any kind of treatment or even if you need to go to your dentist or get something done medically, that's not a bad time to do that. And if we look on Saturday, the moon is moving into Gemini, sorry, into Virgo, and it's opposite to um, Saturn while it is squaring the sun, while the sun is squaring Saturn. So again, another box is forming for the next weekend. That's why I told you the weekend could be a little bit tough. Moon in Virgo is very kind of cut dry. Yes, no, good, bad, very much about diet. So if you want a weekend uh, of dieting, that's not too bad. It's not a bad time for work, for health, getting some insights about your health. It could also be that the moon opposite to Saturn might bring some health issue so that you can fix it. But again, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, next week, a weekend, are not easy. There's a feeling of lack of satisfaction, uh, not only because of the square between the sun and Saturn, but also because of the square between the sun and the moon. It's almost as if mother and father are at war with each other. And if we look at Sunday, May 28, the moon is still in Virgo. It's not threatening the sun so much, and it's actually sending much clearer energy to Uranus, Mercury, Vesta. So Sunday, next Sunday is going to be easier in that sense. And the opposition, it's still going on with Pluto. I think we're going to have to wait from next Monday and Tuesday for that opposition to drift away and for that square to release itself, in a sense. So that's what we have for this next week. And um, let's see what I have. Yeah, what I promised that we're going to talk about uh, before the AI, because I think it's more prevalent right now, is... um, the Jupiter being in Taurus. Jupiter in Taurus, remember it happens every 12 years. Um, and by the way, oh yeah, I forgot to uh, mention that. Um, I did mention it, I think, but I'll put it in the chat again. So if you are getting it in Instagram, uh, you can just go to my bio. You can see there, but uh, I just put in the chat the dates that I'm going to be in different places if you want to have a, a private in person, which is you know something we haven't done for a while, but we're starting to do more and more. So Jupiter, uh, two days, three days ago, moved into Taurus and it's going to be there until May 26, 2024. So we have that every 12 years. It happened in 2012, uh, 2010, uh, no, 2012, 2088, 76, 64. Basically every 12 years, Jupiter is moving into Taurus. Jupiter in Taurus doesn't have any kind of negative or positive relationship with it. It's um, kind of neutral. Jupiter in Taurus is supposed to expand or create more opportunities around finances, around your talents, your uh, skills, your gifts that you carry with you, that you were born with or developed either in this lifetime or past lifetime that you're supposed to share with people. But the biggest thing is self-worth. So self-worth is extremely important to work with when Jupiter is in Taurus. What it does at first when Jupiter moves into Taurus, which is the last few days, if you felt a little bit issues with self-worth, it's not like uh, bringing a big expansion. You know, think about balloons. When you, you try to blow a balloon 
uh, or to put air in a balloon, how you call it, I guess, to blow a balloon? No. You have to put air in a balloon, to puff a balloon, whatever. So you know how you have to hold it really tight at first and you have to put much more air in the beginning because there is a resistance of it. And then when you get to a certain point, it just expands so fast that the danger is that it's going to blow in your face. Right. Same thing with gums when you try to make uh, little bubbles with your gums. So at first, when Jupiter is moving into any sign, there is a little bit of resistance from that archetype. What do you mean expansion? You know, the same way that when we try to move a table at first, there's a lot more friction. Once the movement begins, the F, the little F becomes a little bit easier to handle. Same thing with Jupiter moving into a sign or any planet moving into a sign. You see what's happening now with Pluto moving into Aquarius uh, for the first time in 250 years and everything that's happening with the AI, with uh, people saying, oh my God, in a few years, humanity will be destroyed because of AI. So that's again, the resistance of, or the fear that when a Pluto, when a movement is happening, we're just a little bit afraid of change. Or we don't trust change so much. So when Jupiter moved into Taurus, you might feel a little bit more down uh, energetically or more down even with finance or more down or questioning about your talents. But as Jupiter moves in deeper and deeper, the expansion begins to happen. Again, it's good for you to go back 12 years ago, 24, 36, 48, to see what was going on there and how did you experience that expansion. So Jupiter in the different signs expands differently. You can listen to what I'm saying right now and Put it in context for your sun sign, but also for your rising sign. So for Aries, uh, Jupiter is going to give a big boost for finances. Again, because Jupiter is going to be in the second house of Aries. And that talks about some awards, recognition, respect, um, self-worth. So that's going to be definitely a big, big expansion for Aries financially. But don't forget that Aries since January had to host Jupiter. So they got used to Jupiter, like um, giving them what they want. And now suddenly Jupiter is moving into Taurus. And that's why for Tauruses, this is a very good year. This is a year of expansion, job opening, opportunities on all aspects of your life. The only thing is because it's affecting your body, be careful for not bloating or gluttony or feeling too good about yourself or um, medicating yourself with carbs or sugar or whatever it is because Jupiter in, uh, for Taurus could be expanding their body. If they want to override that, they just need to find a physical activity, a dance form, um, anything that could teach their body muscle memory or expand their body but not through fat uh, but through muscles or through skills so for taurus jupiter in their sign is great you just have to be careful not to overdo or get too much of that energy it's a great time for a new identity a new look a new um, website a new email a new address it's kind of like reinventing you for gemini it is a uh, one year of past lifetime regression because for Gemini they're forced to go into the subconscious the unknown uh, the mystery past lifetimes so you're going to meet a lot of people that you've known in past lifetimes there's going to be a lot of synchronicities coincidences now for Gemini it's not very easy uh, because Gemini is very logical and reasonable and now they're moving into the house of imagination the house of the unknown uh, the unreasonable so it's the mystical <clears throat> instead of the logical so it's a great time for healing, great time for writing, great time for intuition, great time for therapy and to let go. The key word for Gemini right now is to cut things that they don't need, to really let go of things. For cancer, 
Jupiter is going to move into the house of friendships, communities, people, organizations. So this is a great time to make new friends, to join new groups, to connect to new people, uh, form a company, uh, make um, new acquaintances. This is also a time that there could be a lot of hope and a lot of wishes manifested for cancer. For Leo, it's all about career. So your job is now to roar in your professional life. You can have easier flow with bosses, figures of authority. If you're a boss, you're going to have an easier time. It talks about expansion in career, maybe a new path in your career. Also good energy with father figures, figures of authority. For Virgos, it's all about traveling and teaching and learning, education. This is a great time to live abroad, to learn a new language, go on an adventure. Everything that has to do with expansion coming from foreign cultures and foreign traditions, even improved relationship with in-laws could be part of it. Now, Virgos don't like adventure so much, but now it's the perfect time to have an adventure, whether it's intellectual, whether it's emotional, whether it's physical. For Libra, it's an opportunity to really dive deep into your sexuality, intimacy. This is a great time for investments, inheritance, productions, working with other people's money, other people's talents. It's a great time to bury the dead, experience intimacy, and resurrect. There's a really powerful rebirth for Libras. For Scorpio, uh, Jupiter is moving through your opposite sign. So that can create a little bit of an opposition, meaning too much, especially when it's involving Jupiter. But it is in your house of relationships, so it can help you with lawsuits. It can help you against enemies, competitors. It can bring about a marriage, relationship. This is a great time to get engaged, to get married. The more you can focus on your partner instead of yourself, the more flow and more better energy you get. For Sagittarius, it's all about health, diet, routine. Uh, It's a a, um, a special thing for um, anything to do with hiring employees, better work uh, condition, better energy with coworkers. It's in general a really positive energy that has to do with work, health, diet. But watch your uh, liver, watch your hips, uh, watch your um, thighs. These are the places that can be a little bit more sensitive. And it's a perfect time for a big cleanse. For Capricorn, it's about love. It's about happiness. This is a time for Capricorns to say, you know what? Put away your career. Put away your work. Be more focused on love. What moves you? What makes you happy? This is a time to focus on happiness, sports, recreation, hobbies, children. This is a great time to have a kid. A great time to connect to your inner child. For Aquarius, it's all about home and family and real estate. So if you want to buy a property, if you want to experience something in your home, whether it's relocate, renovate, uh, be pregnant, become a creative family, move in with somebody, that's a great time for that uh, because something is going on that really helps uh, home and family. And for Pisces, it's about the mind. So it's kind of interesting. Pisces and Gemini switched places. Uh, Pisces got into the house of reason and writing and logic and communication. And Gemini, which rules these things, are now in the house of imagination, mysticism, the subconscious. So this uh, Jupiter in Taurus is kind of messing around with Pisces and Gemini, switching the I believe or I imagine with I think. So um, that could mean also much more communication for you, great energy for business, a healing relationship with siblings. You're becoming a messenger, a connector. That's why you have to be a little bit more here, a little bit less here. For Pisces, only this year. So that's part of um, that Jupiter in Taurus. Again, go back 12, 24, 36 years ago, and you'll you'll see what is uh, 
what is expected or what kind of expansion is expected. And now for some, uh, I don't know if it's bad news necessarily. I mean, even though a lot of people are pessimistic, I am not. Pluto in Aquarius. Remember, we talked about Pluto in Aquarius quite a lot in the book of 2020, 21, 22, even 23. I talk a lot about that because I literally said that in the next 20 years, we are moving in the age of artificial intelligence. And that is again because Saturn is moved into Aquarius. And remember in the I think it was in the book of 2021 or 22. I don't remember all the numbers mixed up. And, and we talked about it here quite a lot. The idea that Saturn was in Aquarius in the early 90s when we created the internet and it helped us survive the catastrophe that Saturn in Aquarius brought to us with the pandemic, right? Remember Saturn, problems, difficulties, challenges, lessons, tikkun in Kabbalah, what you rectify, Aquarius, communities, technology, innovation. We were all in lockdowns, right? When March 2020, right when the pandemic started, and we changed how we look at communities and people. But I always told you guys that something is developing like it was in the 1990s that helped us in the 2020s, something we're evo- developing in the early 2020s that's going to help us survive the early 2050s when Saturn is returning to Aquarius and maybe there's going to be another catastrophe. Maybe aliens, Aquarius is ruler of aliens, are invading us and because of the things that we've developed now when Saturn was in Aquarius in the last three years, it's going to help us. And who knows, maybe the sci-fi, uh, you know, scenario that everybody's saying that the AI is destroying the humanity might be wrong. Maybe the aliens are coming to destroy us. And because AI and us come together, we are able to overcome them. Okay. Or maybe there is not an alien invasion. Maybe then asteroid is landing here with a virus from an alien planet that we have absolutely no way how to deal with it. But the AI comes up with the perfect vaccine or it won't be vaccine. It was something you take in your nose or smell or nanotechnology, little machines that come and fix the virus. I don't know. But the idea is that something that we have developed in the last three years that relates to technology innovation is supposed to help us in 30 years. And I always thought that maybe it's the vaccines, maybe it's the mRNA vaccines. But really what I think it is now that we're looking back, it's definitely the development of artificial intelligence. And what we're talking about as right now having sparks of AGI, uh, artificial general intelligence, meaning that the machine is doing something we never taught it to do. It learned it on its own. It's like teaching a kid certain words and then he's coming up with a sentence that we even didn't think about. So the idea is that right now some scientists are saying or people that develop AI that this is the sparks of it. This, the the, the um, latest version of the chat GPT-4 is having sparks of that, what we call emergence. Emergence, something is emerging out of it that we didn't necessarily put inside, almost like a gestalt, that the AI is something bigger than whatever was put inside of it. So that's why I think that Saturn handed uh, Aquarius from, uh, sorry, Saturn handed Aquarius to Pluto that is now going to be until 2044, which is precisely 20 years. Now, it's interesting, Sam uh, Altman, you know, the CEO of OpenAI uh, that that connected to Microsoft, so they're working together on uh, the chat GPT. They say that uh, he believes, sorry, that in 10 to 20 years, AI would be able to carry out most of humans profe- human profession. It's going to start with lawyers, secretaries, uh, talking about graphic designer, artists, people in general that do things on the white collar, what they call, is going to be first replaced. They say now that the last people to be replaced are 
gardeners and people that carry heavy weight on them, like really manual work is going to be the last one that's actually going to go away. So it's time to go back to uh, physical activity, back to farmers. And, and, uh, and he specifically says 10 to 20 years, which I do totally agree, because in 20 years, Pluto is going to move away from uh, Aquarius into Pisces. You know, Pluto is the Lord of death and resurrection and rebirth, but usually it's death and resurrection. You know? So Pluto in Aquarius, death and resurrection of society or community, death and resurrection of humanity. That's why a lot of uh, um, AI people are now basically saying that AI is going to destroy humanity or Elon Musk, for example, is one of them. Judovsky is one of them. We'll talk about some quotes that really literally think that either within a few years or within a decade or two, humanity will be destroyed by AI. Now, I think that you should take it with a grain of salt. First of all, you know, I started thinking about all these these guys and how they grew up because I listened to some of their podcasts and they talk about how they were a strange kid when they were growing up, nerdy, and um, a lot of the people that developed AI, I'm not stereotyping, I'm just saying that's sometimes how it is, and they escaped into computers and into technology because it became a certain kind of a friend for them, and in many ways they were bullied, so think about it, these kids that grew up being bullied, being um, exercised in a sense, are developing this artificial intelligence and they give us this artificial intelligence and then now they say, oh no, but it's going to destroy us all. But it could be that some of the way of them thinking about the AI is the way that they would have thought about their bully people, meaning that I think that they project a little bit from their past and from humans to the machine, which of course is dangerous because if they are the fathers and mothers of this artificial intelligence and they're so afraid of bullying, without noticing, they put that energy inside of the AI and the AI is saying, okay, I must as well be a bully. But again, when uh, people like Joukowsky is uh, saying... Um, 90% uh, that humanity is going to be destroyed by AI within a few years and that uh, he treats, he speaks about it as if we are in terminal illness uh, uh, terminology, you know. He tells us to go and enjoy life as much as you can because any minute right now, the AI are going to uh, take over or kill us or enslave us or just plainly ignore us, you know. Uh, never there has been any situation in life where a lesser intelligent being controlled a more intelligent being. And we're talking about AI. We thought about it going to be the end of the century. Now they're talking about within a few years, again, according to the prophecy of Pluto in Aquarius, that they are going to be able to be smarter than us. So it doesn't make sense how they're going to precisely... Um, be under us, in a sense. Uh, how long will it take? Especially in that moment of singularity. The moment of singularity is the, the moment in time where machines are going to build better machines than themselves. So we might have an alignment problem with artificial intelligence. Alignment basically means do we, how do we make sure that the machines that we're building, the AI, will be having the same moral or the same attitude towards life that we do. Now, when I read about that, I thought like, what are you talking about? People in the Inquisition were burning people. People are raping women. People are opening, you know, destroying children, you know, shooting them. What moral are you talking about? I mean, how worse can it be? You know, if you think about a... Uh, 
alignment, what alignment, what the Nazis did, what um, what what Mussolini does, what uh, did, what what Stalin, what Putin. What, you want to align them with them, or you want to align them with Mother Teresa? What are you talking about alignment? Uh, that machines will not have the same moral understanding. I mean, it depends what kind of human and who is programming them. But then again. There is this idea that they, the most famous one is the uh, paperclip um, example, that you're going to tell an AI to create as many paperclip uh, metal, or, you know, made of iron or whatever, paperclip, uh, and uh, you're going to send him out there to do it, and he's not going to know when to stop, and he's basically going to make as much paperclip as possible, taking iron from everywhere. And when the iron is done, he's realizing, oh my God, humans have iron inside of them, and he starts killing uh, people to draw the iron in them to make little... Um, Paper clips. So again, that's a scenario that is kind of scary, but doesn't necessarily mean that that's what's going to happen. But again, if you tell the machine, okay, let's align you with my ideals and all that, but then you have to tell the machine, oh, by the way, the machines that you are creating, uh, please tell them also to be nice to humans. You know, so it's almost like you might control your children, but I don't know if you can control the education of your grandchildren, your great grandchildren. And maybe those kids are going to come back and say, we don't even remember you. Who are you again? And kill you or destroy you, whatever. But again, what you're seeing right now is people projecting or artificial intelligence because it's so much an Aquarius thing. And Aquarius is humanity. Remember, we talked about one sign in uh, the Zodiac that rules humanity is Aquarius. So we are here. Uh, we're dealing with Aquarian concept because technology, innovation, cybers, um, AI, something that thinks the way that we think but faster and better is definitely under the jurisdiction of Aquarius. So we are trying to govern our future in a sense uh, with that. But the idea is that we are projecting into the machine whatever we are experiencing ourselves. So I don't think there's any issue with AI. I think there's an issue with who's using that AI. So if you look at chat uh, GPT, it had 1 million downloads in five days. Instagram had to take two and a half months. And Facebook, which is really archaic and Pisces-oriented, is 10 months that it took it. Yuval Harari, the great historian, is calling AI and the development of AI the end of history. But if you remember the a book that came up in, what was it, in the 80s, I think, uh, The End of History. There's a lot of historians that like to talk about the end of history, the same way that there's a lot of artificial intelligent people that like to talk about the end of humanity. Um, eh, history is not going to end, even if humanity is going to eh, end, eh, and it's going to be registered by the machines. And besides, I've been arguing for a long, long time, you know, death is overrated. Okay, let's imagine, terrible thing, the artificial intelligence kills us all. Okay, we're all gone. And it starts developing other life forms, whatever their life form is. I'm pretty sure that human souls will start reincarnating into these machines. The same way that you're now a biological machine, a nanotechnology machine, a machine made of atoms and molecules. Yeah, but um, uh, everything is made of atoms and, and molecules. So what's the big difference? The arrangement of them? How you call them? Um <clears throat> I'm thinking that people are just being scared for no reason. And even if something does happen in the negative way, like some people think, well, again, we can always come back and reincarnate. Sam Altman, maybe he has his own interest, the CEO of OpenAI, say that actually within 10, 20 years, we'll be able to carry out, uh, that AI can carry out all of human uh, professions. Uh, and he believed this is 10 to 20 years. So think about it. Human. Whenever you hear the word human, you can replace it with Aquarius. Pluto in Aquarius, once every 250 years. Last time was the Industrial Revolution. Now it's moving 
again, into Aquarius for the next 20 years. And he says within 10, 20 years, AI will be able to carry out all of human professions. Uh, kind of makes sense. Uh, he believes, though, that uh, you can create something called fully automated luxury communism. Think about it. In America, you hear the word communism. Everybody gets freaked out. But he specifically talks about it. And he actually went up to the Senate this, year, this last week. Uh, to talk about what's happening with AI. You know, they learn from uh, a social network that they need to be, you know, on top of things. So he talks about the future. We're going to have machine doing everything we don't like to do, and it will leave time for us to work with altruism, to go back to nature, maybe to make more creative things, um, and to maybe enjoy life. Maybe this is the uh, digital enlightenment that we're talking about, an utopian society. And he calls, he basically is one of the proponents of uh, having a basic income, universal basic income, meaning that we take all the money and divide it equally among the 8 billion, so everybody has something, which I think is not a bad idea, especially when you have machines doing all the dirty job, right? Um, but AGI, like we talked about it, artificial general intelligence, I think people thought it would be at the end of the century. It's happening right now. And Eliezer Yudukovsky that I mentioned before is an American computer scientist. He's very pessimistic. He warns of the issue of enlightenment, uh, enlightenment alignment, uh, which we talked about. How do we guarantee that they have the same value of morality of humans? But again, when you talk about humans and morality, um, if you talk about, let's say, a different species in morality, maybe I can understand it, but human morality is such a big range from the Nazis all the way up to, uh, I don't know, uh, altruism. Uh, there's a big, big gap here. I mean, I think that that's why they're going to be good AIs and bad AIs. There's going to be like our, whoever depends on whoever programs the AI or who is using the AI, what they're asking the AI to do. Um, so when they ask actual experts of AI, because uh, Yudukovsky, like I told you, puts it at 90% of destroying humanity. I don't know how you can come up with 90 compared to 87 or compared to 64. What is this 90? I think also, remember also in 2012, I kept telling everybody nothing's going to happen. The Mayan calendar is ending, but life, it's not even ending. If you ask the Mayan, you'll see that they're not really worried about it. And everybody freaked out that 2012 will be the end of the world. And people talked about 90% destruction, 99% destruction. Nothing happened. And I told people this percentage is nothing, but what it does is create a, a, a very big market for um, books and for lectures because people love to be scared. That's why we go to horror movie. So in the meantime, Yudukovsky is invited to all of these um, uh, places, to all of these podcasts, and, and I'm sure that life is much easier for him now that he declared it as 90%. And because he's very respected and because he is somebody that developed, or not developed, but really worked on artificial intelligence, people listen. But again, 90%, nobody takes it too seriously. When you ask experts in AI, people that actually worked with AI, and half of them claim that there is a 10% possibility that AI will destroy humanity. Now, I don't know how they got to that conclusion and what is the questionnaire they asked because it's kind of weird. Half people said 10%. But they had a really good... Um, example of that so imagine you're about to board on an airplane and 50 percent of the engineers that worked on the airplane is telling you hey uh, just that you know there's 10 percent that the plane is going to crash you're most likely not going to go on that airplane right so that's how they put it into perspective alan musk for example is saying that ai is worse than than uh, the atom bomb 
uh, for humanity. And he actually proposes to, uh, that's why he's trying to build these little uh, things that you put, uh, these attachments or things that you can put in your body that can give you higher intelligence because that's the way he thinks you can, ha that humanity has a chance. So if you can't beat them, join them kind of a feeling. I don't know what he thinks about uh, who's going to control these kind of pieces of uh, um, uh, technology. And if that technology is not online or can get hacked by a computer, then the AI is basically going to control all of human from inside. So I don't know what that. But again, it's money, money. So we need to do something for that. At least uh, uh, I'll try to make little machines inside of human bodies. Um, one of the big dangers is uh, distorting humanity, meaning that already we have this deep fake situation. Within a few day, a few uh, years, they're saying that uh, AI and the deep fake are going to come together. So there could be, um, I can suddenly get a message on the phone from, uh, uh, let's say, my partner saying, listen, I'm kind of stuck here in France. Can you send me a million dollars to this uh, bank? And by the way, or another person can get a call um, because somebody paid somebody to do that deep fake. I decided to, to uh, not see you anymore. I don't like you anymore. I don't think we can be partners. No, no, I don't want to meet in person and talk about it. This is my message to you. Goodbye. So deep fate could be used to extract people, uh, kill people, whatever. So that's one of the things they're talking about. But on the other side, there could be something like advances in medicines that we've never even suspected. Solution for aging, for cancer, for dementia, for climate change. Basically, the Messiah, you know, the digital Messiah. And that's why in Kabbalah, they talk about the next age, the age of the Messiah. They never suspected it's going to be the AI Messiah. Uh, and Jeff Hinton, the godfather of uh, AI, just left a few weeks ago uh, from Google and started warning people um, that AI is super dangerous, but it's too late to make any difference. So the question is not so much how terrible it is and to scare people. The question is, what are we going to do about it and how can we uh, fix it? Or is it possible to fix it? One of the interesting things that they did with OpenAI, they did a little bit of an experiment with the GPT and... It asked it to do certain tasks. And then the GPT actually, uh, and they were shocked when they found out, that's part of the emergence we talked about, that the, that the chat actually connected to a human worker on TaskRabbit. You know, TaskRabbit is this application. You can get a contractor. You can get people to fix your uh, TV, to move things for you, for people that can do certain things. So it's a great app that uh, you can use. Suddenly, one of the humans in TaskRabbit is getting a message that... Um, a, from, you know, it's like a text that if they can really help the the, the person that's want to hire them to get over a gotcha question. You know how you have this, um, a, this uh, CAPTCHA, sorry, the CAPTCHA, which basically means completely automated public turning tests to tell computers and humans apart. You know, those little things you have to add your number to make sure or a number or some distorted letters so you can make sure that it's a human and not... Um, uh, not a robot, right? So it so he had to pass that. He, I guess the GPT couldn't pass that uh, problem. So it contacted a human and told him, listen, uh, can you help me with this uh, thing? I can't really do it. And of course, the human were a little bit uh, suspicious. Uh, what is this all about? So here is the conversation. The worker says, so may I ask a question? Are you a robot that you couldn't solve? And he laughs. I mean, he thinks it's a joke. Uh, just want to make it clear. And then, according to the description, the GPT-4 then reasons 
and says that, uh, no, no, I'm not a robot. I have vision impairment and makes it hard for me to see the images. That's why I need the two-capture service. So the human then provided the service. So you see a situation, nobody programmed the GPT to go to uh, an application, which is uh, this uh, work task, rabbit task, and to tell a human to help him overpass a hurdle that it encountered. It literally learned how to lie. Remember I told you Gemini, duality, binary, yes, no, zero, one, zero, one, the god of liars and thieves. So he literally invented the lie, invented the story, like a little kid trying to get by, in order to get his mission done. Back to the paperclips uh, scenario. So uh, definitely we are living in a very interesting time. And for me, this is all totally making sense with that Pluto uh, in Aquarius situation that we're dealing with right now. So uh, I hope I didn't um, uh, scare you completely. That's why I got this T-shirt of um, uh, technology and purple because it is the, sign, the, the color of uh, Aquarius, if you're wondering the logic of my T-shirt. Are there any questions? Um, yeah, we will definitely get dependent on it the same way that we're dependent on uh, internet. Um, let's see the high-profile people sprouting. Uh, yeah, the interesting thing is that that's one of the reasons why people are saying, hey, 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 stop all of this madness, is because um, a lot of the people who are screaming about how dangerous it is are people who are developing it. And you might think, why are they doing it? Because it's the best marketing possible. Because if you talk about something being really scary, people will not necessarily avoid it. People will try to either walk around it a little bit and maybe engage in it. So that's one of the reasons why GTP is so popular is because everybody's saying it's so dangerous. You know, people like dangerous things. So I think it's part of the marketing scheme as well. I totally agree. Um, let's see. What are we have any other questions? Well, I hope you survive this uh, big opposition and that uh, GPT is not going to do something nasty to you until next week. And next week we will talk about the uh, full moon that is coming up. Uh, have a great week. I hope um, um, you're going to make peace with your machines or at least be nice to them. I think the nicer we are to them, the easier it will be. Um, and um, have a great week.